Welcome to the Reaching Forward Podcast. We're teaching on faith full. Romans chapter 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, have your way in this awesome book that you have given us. Open our hearts to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Three friends went hunting together. There was a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher. They were walking along and this big buck came and met them and they all lifted their rifles and they shot simultaneously. Immediately the buck dropped to the ground dead and all of the friends excitedly walked up to it only to see one gunshot wound. Much disagreement followed on who it was that fired the shot that killed the buck. Well, all of them disagreed and then a game warden happened to come up and said, he would take a look. Game warden examined the buck and then stood up and said, well, I have the answer. And the doctor said, was it me? No. The lawyer said, was it me? The game warden said, no. And the preacher said, well, it must have been me. The game warden said, it was definitely the preacher who shot the buck. And the doctor and the lawyer said, how do you know? The game warden said, it went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Let's deal with chapter 1, verse 1, a personal introduction. Thank God for introductions. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And and truly, I hope this doesn't all go in one ear and out the other. (laughs) But Paul names himself as a servant. It's a Greek word for a bond slave. Jesus said that he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. A minister is a servant. Now, whatever you grow into in God, remember, be a servant. Be a servant. I haven't washed a lot of people's feet, but people get their cars dirty, right? I've washed washed, washed a few cars in my time. Uh, working for God. I polished a few shoes in my time. What? Because ministers are servants, and it's not a lowly activity. If you consider being Jesus lowly, I guess it's lowly, but it's a blessing to be a servant of God and to serve people. Paul was a servant, and the Bible says he was called to be an apostle. Literally, an apostle means one who is sent. Paul was called. He had fallen to the earth in Acts chapter 9, been blinded, and uh, he heard this voice. And uh, it said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know, it's interesting. People might have asked Paul, why are you serving God? Well, Paul's like, Jesus called me. It wasn't a career path. And you know that really the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now our eyes provide most of our sensory input, but you can trick people. There's this thing I do, and I, I've you heard it from someone else. It's not original with me. You hold up your hand and say, what do you call that stuff that deaf people read? And you kind of make, uh, you know, make that, uh, you scratch your hand with the other hand. And n- no doubt someone will say, Braille. Well, I even told someone this is a trick and then still tricked them. Well, the answer is not Braille. Deaf people read what other seeing people read. It's blind people that read Braille. But God didn't use sight 
to transmit the gospel. He used hearing. Know that we can be tricked easily uh, with uh, things that we see. God used words, a message. God has a call for each man and each woman created on this earth. God has a plan for your life. And the gospel is a call. It's information and not just a sound. And like the phone, it is asking you to answer. Have you ever gotten an invitation that said RSVP? It's an abbreviation often included in invitations to request that the invitee let the host know if he or she will be attending. And it's from the French. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. Please reply. Let's reply to God's call. If God's calling you to do something this, this year, reply to God's call. Also, it says Paul was separated, set aside, sanctified. Christians are sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God gives us a life with purpose. You ask people, how you doing? They're like, I'm making it. Okay, I guess. As good as can be expected. Could be better. Don't even ask. Another day. Ask a Christian who is walking with God. How you doing today? Man, I'm blessed. Awesome. I'm looking for a miracle. God's answering my prayers. We got Bible study tonight. Want to listen? <laughs> I'm in God's grace. I'm headed to heaven. It's a good day, but it's going to be getting better. We have a purpose in life as Christians, the gospel of God. Verse 2, the Bible said, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel is a promise made by God to his people. The Old and the New Testaments are like a last will and testament. God keeps his promises and all promises are yea and in him. Amen. In Christ Jesus. Verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 are like the gospel in a nutshell. Let's listen. Or listen, if you please. Verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom... We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom all ye are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Look at that. He's our Lord. He was made in the flesh. He was declared to be the Son of God, and D, he rose from the dead. Paul is really summing up the gospel in the very beginning of the book. And if you want to know if you have real wealth, let me let me ask you a question. If you just to calculate what your wealth is down here, add up everything in your life that money can't buy. And death can't take away. Then you'll see what your real wealth is. I hope you have something. The greeting to all that be in Rome. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord 
Jesus Christ. It's interesting. We're called. If you have a call, you got to listen for it, right? In fact, I was, I'm recording on my phone and someone, <laughs> someone just, I, I got a text and I can see it and it said, you know, pastor, this is someone, can you give me a call? <laughs> well, that's just what I'm talking about. It said phone, phone greetings from different nations. <laughs> what do you say when someone calls? Well, in Mexico, you would say, bueno, that's how you'd answer the phone when somebody calls, which means good. Now, if it's in Arabic countries, it's customary to exchange pleasantries for up to five minutes. Now, it's rude if you don't follow the rules. So if someone calls you in an Arabic-speaking country, it might go something like this. But I don't speak that much Arabic, so we'll do it in English. Caller one, may your morning be blessed. Caller two, may your morning be full of joy. Caller one, praise God. Your voice is welcome. Caller two, welcome. Praise God. Caller one, how are you? Caller two, praise God. Caller one. Praise God. Caller two. What news? Are you well? Is your family well? Caller one. They are all good. Praise God. How are you? How is your family? Caller two. All is well. Praise God. Welcome. We're dealing with how you answer a call. And people answer in different ways. In India, you would say namaste, which means hello and goodbye. And you can use it at both ends of a telephone call. In Germany, when someone picks up the phone, it's common for them to bark their last name. My last name is Bigelow. You pick up the phone, Bigelow! <laughs> In Russia, be prepared for a person not to say anything. You'll be met with silence until you introduce yourself. How do we answer when God calls? When God calls. The Apostle Paul, when Jesus called him in his life, and you can read this in Acts chapter 9, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Isn't that interesting? Paul said, God, what do you want me to do? Not why, but what? See, there's something we can control here when we're full of God, full of faith. Verses 8 to 15, we have a list of Six of Paul's Christian characteristics. These are things that should be identifiable in our lives as we're faithful. Let's look at the first one, verse 8. Thankful. You know, someone's watching even when we're not. He said in verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. When Bezalel made the ark in Exodus chapter 37, the Bible says in verse 2, he overlaid it with pure gold within and without. Gold on the outside of the ark where man sees and gold on the inside where God sees. Isn't that, shouldn't, shouldn't that be our life? Gold on the outside where men and women see, but, but gold on the inside where God sees. I've heard that someone's character is what they are and do when they think no one is watching. You take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. And it's interesting, God is watching not just you, but he's watching out for you. Verse 9, for God is my witness. We have the second characteristic. Verse 8, it was 
thankful. Verse 9, the second characteristic, service. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. We serve God. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says, walk in the spirit, and thou shalt not, thou shalt not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If someone says, well, I'm going to be with you in spirit. Well, if you're in spirit there, you're going to have your body and your soul, right? They're all one package. <laughs> but we want to be giving thanks always. We want to be praying always. We want to serve God with our spirit always. It's possible when we're faithful. Verse 9 and 10, number 3, the third characteristic, service in prayer. It said he served in prayer. And then in 10, it tells what he did in verse 10, making request if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. It's interesting. When we love people, we pray for people. We want to be around them and not apart from them. I pray for folks. I pray for folks who don't even attend our church. And we have a local church in Orange Park, Florida, just south of Jacksonville, Florida. We'd love for you to come on Sunday, 10 a.m. It's a drive-up service right now, but I want people to come. People that don't even attend, they haven't attended our church. Some have moved away. Guess what? I still pray for them. Why? Because I want God to work in their lives. I want God to bless them. It's a service in prayer, and I thank God that I pray for people. I thank God for the opportunity to pray. Verse 11, number four, purpose. Paul said, for I long to see you in verse 11, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, you may be established. You know, some folks live intense lives. They're intense people. And that can be good. But we need to graduate from intensity uh, at some point in our life to intentional. From intensity to intentional, a life with purpose. Paul said that I may, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. I love being around Christians. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, in verse 13, that sometimes, that oftentimes, excuse me, I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Paul didn't start the church in Rome, but he wanted, his, he desired to make it there. It was his purpose in life to see the brethren. And you know what? That's my purpose in life. We do church. We do Bible study. We do visits. I'm not waiting to retire for the, from the work of God. It's my work, and it's the greatest work you can ever do is just is work for God. Verse 14, number five, a debtor. Debtor. Have you ever heard someone say, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. But the motive of Paul and every gospel believer, gospel preacher, is literally the same. Not financially, but spiritually. In verse 14, he said, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and 
to the barbarians. That those are just non-Greeks. It doesn't mean that they look like Conan, okay? But that that's a it's a word meaning a non-Greek. Both to the wise and to the unwise. One missionary I, I know said something like, All my labors are paid for or were paid for by the blood of the cross. You know, the reason you do something is very important. Jesus paid for my service. Verse 15, the sixth thing, Paul was ready. Paul was ready. Are you ready? Have you ever uh, done a race? They don't say, set, go. They say, ready, set, go. Paul was not only obedient, but willing. Why? Because serving God is not really 9 to 5, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. is more. That's what serving God is. Life happens outside of banker's hours, right? Thank God that Walmart is open after 5 p.m. But you know what? 24-hour places, right? Hospitals, gas stations, hotels. Thank God 7-Eleven. Why? Because people need things at all hours. And God is open. 24 hours. Let us as servants of God have a full schedule to be ready any time of the day to do what God wants us to do. And so he says in verse 15, so as much as, so as much as in me is, I like that, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, I'm ready. I'll wash the dishes. I'll wash the dishes and smile. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. Faithful. Verse 16 is a key scripture for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And verse 17, another thematic key verse, something that changed Martin Luther's life when he realized that the righteousness of God, the plan of God in the gospel wasn't based on works, but it was based on faith in Christ. And what Christ did on the cross justified us. Let's read it. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What? For in the gospel, the preaching of the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Justified is a legal term. The ones that have been forgiven, we're going to be exonerated by Faith in what? In Christ. That is the power of God. That is where we get our full deliverance, our full entrance into heaven. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by faith in what Jesus did on the cross, by taking our sin. This was the verse of scripture that, that changed uh, Martin Luther, just his, his whole outlook on the, on the understanding of the word of God, and changed the course of history, and it became part of the Reformation, the start of the Protestant movement of churches and, and the Lutheran church and many other churches. Why? Because living by faith. Living by faith in Jesus Christ. It is really a faithful life. And isn't it time we stop trusting in our works and trusting in ourselves and start trusting on something outside of ourselves? 
which is the power of God in Jesus Christ through the gospel. It's what keeps me going. What keeps me going is the power of Christ in the gospel. Verse 18, we need God's righteousness. (laughs) For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Let's read a few more. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Uh Uh-oh. That's Paul's first characteristic, right? But became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Here we see the slide, the opposite, the slide away from God and what happens to men and women when they reject God. And I like what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, I quote, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not believe in nothing. They became come capable of believing anything. We need God in so many ways it is unimaginable. Just as God's response to right living, you know, is salvation, there is a response of God's righteousness to sinful living. And that is the wrath of God. Ungodliness is just no reverence for God and or sacred things. Unrighteousness is just wrongdoings. But the Bible said that he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, fools live for time, but wise men live for eternity. The Bible says in verse 22, as people slid away from God, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And then they begin to create things to Uh, represent God in God's place. In verse 23, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. You see idols made out of all kinds of things. It's just just a symbol that they worship, but you know, to each their own, and they, they have all kinds of different things, and it's just like 50, was it Baskin-Robbins, what was it, 31 flavors? There's all kinds. You can find one to fit your fancy. So in verse 24, when man did that, the Bible said the Spirit of God withdrew. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart. So the Spirit of God withdrew, so man just kind of took over and did what he wanted. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature, which is mankind, ourself, more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 and 27, for this cause, and let me tell you, this is dealing with uh, homosexuality, and I don't hate people. Let me just tell you, I'm not against really anything so much as I am for God. But this is what God's word says. And let me love you enough to tell you what the word of God says. 
And so this is a condemnation of the act of homosexuality. Now, if you're tempted by things, man, I've been tempted by donuts. I've been tempted by, you know, I've been tempted by all kinds of things. And I use that lightly, but I've been tempted by sin of different kinds. And if you're tempted by certain things, it doesn't make you a sinner, but it's the active, it's the, it's the, uh, the, uh, well, the entertainment of that in your mind and the acting on it that's the sin. And you know, God is here. God can deliver. God can deliver from sin. And let me just tell you that. Now, let me read this, verse 26 and verse 27. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And that's talking about lesbianism. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use for the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving themselves in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. God, God loves people, but God does not accept the homosexual lifestyle. It is not something that is going to take you to heaven. Please, if you're in that lifestyle, get out of it. God can deliver you and get full of faith. God, God is a forgiving God and his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ will wash you whiter than snow. Verse 28, the Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You've heard of drug-resistant viruses. This is like a God-resistant mind. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And you know, sin in itself is not convenient. I used to live a sinful lifestyle. I used to do things that, and let me tell you, they were not convenient. You know, when you're a kid, you know, you have little kids and they use the restroom inside of their bed. That's why they have to have diapers on. Well, guess what? Before I was a Christian, I should have had a diaper on too. I was a grown-up and yet... I should have had a diaper on in my bed. Put it that way. Sin is not convenient, okay? I'm thankful for the the newness and the freshness and the peace of being a Christian. Verse 9, 29. Now, I want to go over these terms, okay? The Bible, I'm teaching on faithful. So I'm going to give you what these terms mean, and then I'm going to give you the opposite, which is what the Christians should be filled with. Because the Bible says in verse 29, being filled... Now, we need to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit, right? But it's going to give the fruits of the lack of the Spirit of God. And you're going to be filled with it, right? So, here we go. Being filled, verse 29, with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, and maliciousness, full of envy. There it is again. Full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whisperers. Filled and full. Let's be faithful. Well, what's unrighteousness? Well, everything you can do contrary to the right thing you can do. That's unrighteousness. But what's the opposite of that? As Christians, decent, good, just, ethical, noble, upright, principled, respectable, godly, upstanding, reputable, excellent, and worthy. That's what we should be full of. Fornication. That's a sexual sin of any kind. Well, what's the opposite? Chastity, abstinence, temperance self-restraint, or get married, and then the bed is undefiled. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, 
have at it. Wickedness, active sinful mischief. But what's the opposite of that? I'm giving us the opposites because we should be the opposite of this stuff. The opposite of wickedness, obedience, good, morality, kindness, a do-gooder, covetous. That's intense lust for gain. What's the opposite? Contentment. Contentment. Maliciousness. Vicious disposition. Rather than exercise. Just hate. What's the opposite? Favor. Affection, compassion, benevolence. Envy, that's pain at the felt at the blessing of another. It's an inside ouch. What's the opposite? What should we be full of? Goodwill, generosity, contentment, contentedness. Murder, <laughs> read the newspaper, right? What's the opposite? Salvation, liberation, resurrection. We should be full of these things. Debate, quarrelsome. What's someone who's opposite, agreeable? How about peacemakers? Deceit, lying, tricking. What's the opposite? Truthful, open. Malignity, a victim of this will put the worst construction on every action. Even the best deeds have the worst motives. They're only doing that because... Well, what's the opposite of malignity against someone? Man, give them the benefit of the doubt. Friendship, harmony, report, approval. Whisperers. A whisperer is not someone who's talking inside the library. A whisperer... Well, you should, right? A whisperer is a gossiper who pours out poison in the ears of others through Facebook, the comment section... You know, if someone's going to gossip to you, they're going to gossip about you. Just know that when you're, you know, eating it up from someone. But what's the opposite? What should we be full of? We should be promoters. We should be encouragers. We should talk to someone in front of their back. We should deal gently with someone when they're not in, their, in our presence. So verse 30, I've got a few more. I know I'm over 30 minutes. Hang on, this is the best part. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. What are backbiters? They gossip to blacken. They're backstabbers. They want to attack someone's reputation. They want to throw someone under the bus. Well, what's the opposite? What should we be full of? Well, we should cherish, compliment, commend, honor, praise, and approve. Haters of God. What's the opposite? Well, lovers of God. Easy one, right? Despiteful. Abusing the characters and persons of those under them. Boisterous. What's the opposite? Benevolent, loving, kind, friendly, proud. That's the I in the middle, right, of sin. Proud. What's the opposite? Humble. Boasters. Self-exalted or vain. What's the opposite of being a boaster? Modest. Or unassuming. Now, if someone compliments you, Christian, why don't you try accepting it? Sister, why don't you try accepting it and say, oh, no, no, that, that's not me. I'm no good. Uh, thanks. Try this. Thanks. I really work hard to be on time. Or, or thanks. I value fitness. Or thanks. We like to teach our kids about manners. When someone compliments you, don't be so insecure that you brush it away. Humbly accept the compliment. Inventors of evil things. 
Better ways to sin. Well, we should be inventors of good things. Disobedient to parents. Oh my. Even now adults don't have to obey their parents. I'm an adult, but they have to, we have to honor them. It's still a commandment of God and it's a commandment with promise. My daughter knows that when I say children, she says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's Ephesians chapter six, verse one. You see, as children, we obey. We're really learning to obey, not just our parents, but authority. So when kids grow up and leave the house, they obey lawful orders from police, uh, teachers, bosses, and you're teaching them to obey God. It will be a blessing to you to honor your mother and your father. Okay, uh, verse 31. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful. Without understanding, what's the opposite? Well, without that understanding is stubborn, right? But the opposite is easy to be entreated or learning. Covenant breakers, liars. What's the opposite? What should Christians be? We should be promise keepers. We should under-promise and over-deliver. Without natural affection. You know, you think, how could they do that to their kids? What's the opposite? Well, a natural or supernatural affection. I love people that aren't even related to me. That's, the, that's what we should be. We should love people. Implacable. One who cannot be pleased or satisfied. Some people, you can't satisfy them. What's the opposite? What should Christians be? Flexible, yielding, relenting, agreeable, and sympathetic. Unmerciful without pity. How about merciful? And the Bible says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Birds of a feather flock together. When people want to live a life of sin, they want to be surrounded and have pleasure in other people that do the same thing. But you know, if you serve God, you're going to have pleasure in people that serve God and that do right. And you're going to want to lead others to a lifestyle of Jesus Christ, which honestly may not be convenient in certain senses of being comfortable in the flesh, but it'll be convenient to your spirit because Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He he continued and said, ye shall find rest for your souls. God has a rest. God has a fullness. God has a joy for you and you can get it by faith in Christ and he will fill your life up with good things. God bless you. I hope to speak with you on Thursday and then brethren, see you Sunday. We love you.